You're listening to a Skewed Orbit original podcast. Time, weather, and... Friends, misfits, and friends, bright shining stars, Rachel LaForce reporting live. I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode. First of all, happy Hanukkah. What a beautiful kismet experience this was. Originally, we were supposed to have a different podcast scheduled for uh, today, and then it all worked out that it ended up being Rabbi Brian Zive. So I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode, uh, especially for those of you that do enjoy like theology or uh, whether you um, do still self-identify as Christian or Jewish, uh, whether by culture or by religion and, um, you know, or, or kind of feel like spiritually homeless too. There's like this, this episode, I feel like just really encapsulates a lot of things. So it's much more um, like, uh, parenthetical, I feel in some ways, uh, than some of the other kind of more free flowing episodes, but it's really beautiful in that way. I think, um, Rabbi Brian really offers, I don't even want to like say it. I'm like, Oh, do I say it now? Let me just tease you. Okay. His definition of God is one of the most beautiful definitions that I have ever heard. And I'm so excited, especially for those of you who listen. I know that you are of like mind, of curiosity, um, and just full of spirit. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. He is so heart-centered. What he's building and creating is so needed in our world. And I think is really going to create miracles and prosperity for all of us all over the globe. And so I'm so excited to say that I was able to have this conversation with him uh, you know, before he's sitting down with Oprah, but it'll be my couch. You know what I mean? It'll be my couch. All right, you guys, please enjoy this beautiful episode with Rabbi Brian Zive. Usually, usually in spirituality, you get a lot of music combined with spirituality. You get a lot of meditation combined with spirituality. Comedy isn't always combined with spirituality. And so to see this and to see, and there's a warmth behind it, uh, laughter is such a huge part and humor is a huge part of, of Judaism, especially. So, I mean, all the more so. I think yeah. it's great. No, thank you so much for saying that. I I appreciate that. I um, I find I'm I'm kind of in this place of, so I've always been a comedian right? That's like always what I've done. Comedy, that's my thing. And then really this like spiritual teaching and spiritual guidance. This is like really a new thing, but it's very, very powerful. Obviously you've devoted your life to such uh, yeah. offerings. So I'm sure that you know. Um, so I'm really just kind of working to figure out right now there's still kind of, well, that's not really fair to say, but they're still more in separate zones. And really what I feel like the overall goal is, is like when I really hit that sweet spot is when they're really like fully working um, in tandem is, is what. Yeah. The synergy is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. So Rabbi Brian, first yes. of all, I'm so just like thrilled that you're here. I am so humbled that you're here. 
I have really been looking forward to this conversation, just to getting to meet you and you have such like beautiful, vibrant energy. Um, and so when I was reading through, you have this very, um, I would say like very eclectic way of like your life, like through music and then like, um, going, like, I didn't realize that like you had gone to rabbinical school later and then I don't know if they call it rabbinical school. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so kind of this whole journey. Um, and so I hoped that you, and we'll talk all about branch out and which is so cool. Actually, you know what we're going to do? This is what we're going to do, Rabbi Brian. This is my favorite thing in a movie where you get like the end of it and then they start back and they're like in 25 years ago. So if you were explaining Branch Out to like to someone, explain to our audience kind of what it is and that's really where your passions are lying now and what you're building, if I'm understanding that correctly, it's really where like this next haha, branch of your work is coming from. So tell us a little bit about that and then we're going to kind of go back and we'll do kind of the whole Brian evolution as it Sure. Were. Thank you, Rachel. Um, so it, it's funny. You say this is where my passions lie now. That is true. But I tend to have uh, my passions tend to branch out to many different places. So it's never really one or the other. They're kind of just full steam ahead all the time. So um, but I'm excited that branch out has become one of those passions. So branch out faith is the really the world's first virtual platform that provides in demand and on demand mental wellness opportunities, cultural content, and self-paced gamified learning so anybody can grow in their faith. So we have two different platforms, a Jewish platform and a Christian platform that provides much needed mental wellness sessions to anybody when they're deep in it, when they need it the most. So you can schedule a session just like telehealth or you can click a button and just like an Uber would come pick you up, take you to where you need to go. And it's almost that immediate gratification. If you're having a moment, you can take that moment, press a button. And one of our guides who are made up of Jewish and Christian clergy and chaplains and educators, really highly trained people from well-respected seminaries, they're going to meet you where you're at on video. So it's immediate. And that doesn't exist in today's world. So I'm really excited to bring that much needed service in a way that revolutionizes the faith-based counseling world. Yeah, I really love that. And I, I think the thing that I'm actually the most drawn to, and I think this is probably shared this, I think this is a shared point of view. So I grew up in, well, my mom is very spiritual. A lot of my work now kind of comes from some of her influence, but I also, I grew up in church and I have very beautiful memories of growing up in church. There's also a lot of, I think traumas that I, I don't think that they were purposeful. I think people were like doing what they thought to do or what was taught to them. And I think unfortunately, because of those of us that have experienced those things, but it's like, well, I don't want to throw out this entire beautiful way of looking at life or this entire way of being simply because, you know, I had some humans who got caught up being human. Right. That's a great and way of putting it. So I think that's, what's really neat 
is that you you provide this opportunity for people to really and I'm seeing this a lot. There's definitely some sort of spiritual this very inner spiritual wellness as I define it awakening that's happening because there's a lot of people doing deconstruction work. There's a lot of people like really, you know, um, taking these ideas, these texts, these things that a lot of us have heard over and over and over again and going, Hey, but have we thought about it in this way? Have you thought about it in this way? Like we're making it so personal, which is really what I admire about this initiative and that and then off and then also melding it so well. I know I'm telling you things you already know, but sit for the compliment train. You know, uh, you bought one ticket and here we go. That the the ability to provide that offering to people is so rich because it's also yeah it is offering that like um, quick not dopamine. I don't think that's what actually the what we're accessing, but meaning like again the ability to like hit a button. And then it's like, okay, now I'm locked in. And it also gives people that urgency of sometimes if they don't have it in that moment, then they may be like, oh, I guess I was just, I was having a big feeling or this or that. And then they don't take the opportunity to really dive deep in it. And so having that immediacy provides that for people where they can go ahead and jump in and really be met where they're at. Right. I think that's, uh, you're, you're entirely accurate there. You know, faith is hard. Faith is challenging. You know, how... How does one connect to something where there's no, at least in the Jewish faith, we are told all the time of what God isn't rather than what God actually is. So famous philosopher, and I'm I'm just going to dive deep for for a brief moment. Famous Jewish philosopher. Yeah, famous Jewish philosopher, Rambam, Maimonides, right? So Maimonides was really famous to bring forth this idea of negative theology. It's the idea of, I can tell you all the things God isn't. God isn't corporeal. God isn't anthropomorphic. You can't see God. God is not a man with a long beard standing at the pearly gates, right? That's not what God is. But I do know that God is holy. I do know that God is all-encompassing. But for the normal everyday person, the normal assimilated person within a modern-day society, it's hard to see. It's hard to imagine. And if that's the crux, that's the foundation of what faith is that will help drive you to be a more moral, value-based human being, I can imagine the challenges behind that. And uh, that is why all too often we're finding that uh, in a world filled with sporting events and dance classes and extracurricular activities and hanging out with friends and that people are choosing those other things over faith, going to synagogue, going to church. And so what... I didn't want to just immediately dismiss was the fact that people don't care about their faith because that I think is entirely inaccurate. I think it's exactly what you were just talking about, Rachel, in that people have experienced things growing up, whether they're traumas or whether they're, it's disconnect or whether just assimilation got the best of them. But what we've learned over the course of time is that people are very proud of their faith. 
in the Jewish faith especially, which is where I am most, of course, drawn to, people are proud of their history. They're proud of their culture. Is prayer their thing? Well, maybe not all the time. Is going to temple or synagogue for Shabbat services exactly their thing? Well, maybe not after a hard week. Like, let's be real. Seven o'clock on a Friday night after you've worked a long work week is a really challenging thing to get up and get excited. It's kind of like going to the gym. But once you're there, you feel better when you left than when you came in, right? And that's what faith is really all about. People are proud. They are identified. And I think an important thing here to uh, add is that there's a, there was a report that was released in 2020, and it was called the Pew Report. They do all kinds of surveys and really interesting, um, really interesting uh, tidbits that they come up with about a wide variety of things. In this case, it was all about faith. And that they came out and said 87% of Jews in this country are completely unaffiliated with a Jewish organization. 87%. That, that's a daunting number. That means out of the 7.5 million Jews in this country, 6 million do not connect at all. Completely unaffiliated. That's with a synagogue, a day school, a Jewish community center, a federation, anything. On the Christian side, 66% are unaffiliated with a Christian organization. I mean, that is an incredibly challenging statistic to hear if you're a believer in the faith-based community. But I wanted to see it in a different way. That seven and a half million Jews in this country self-identified as being Jewish and 165 Christian, million Christians in this country self-identified as being Christian. All that means is there's hope. Well, I don't want to interrupt. You're so beautiful. I've, it's very clear that you have such a gift of speaking to people because I've already sat back in my chair. I don't ever sit back on the podcast. I'm like, I'm just, I'm taking this in, okay? Yeah, yeah. I... Because here, here's what I have observed. And again, I always like to say that it's I. It's just been through my experience, right? That we all have different experiences. I also think it's that a lot of people, they may have those identifiers but feel disconnected from that community a lot around judgment. I think they're, I think people feel so much judgment, whether that's self-induced, but it's like, oh, um, everybody at this synagogue drives a $75,000 car. We don't have a $75,000 car, so we're not going to fit in. We're not going to go. Oh, everybody at this church, you know, they all triumph this thing, like whatever it is, they're, they're all these earthly, as I define them, earthly politics that are getting in the way of people being able to access something higher within themselves. I, I truly believe I I'm, you know, the with my identification of God or the higher power, you know, when we talk about what God isn't, but I also really feel like there's a lot of that language sometimes, depending on who's delivered that language to you, that makes you feel as though there's only one way to access God. And I feel like there's so many ways to access it. And because of that, because of these rules, because of this judgment, because of one interpretation people have severed themselves from the ability to feel spiritually connected. Yeah. And I think, and whatever that means for them. And I think that, you know, like I always say, I'm like the God in me sees the God in you. 
And that's all we're looking for. When you say, oh, someone made me feel seen, that's what they were seeing. They were seeing the holiness that exists in you, the spiritual being that exists in you, this connection that we all share. We may all access it differently and define it differently. And that's a different conversation. But for me, as far as like what I would say of like, what is the Holy Spirit? And I just mean that, I know that sounds very Christian, but just meaning like, I think that each of us have that spark and have that ability. And the fact that it has been, you know, extinguished because, oh, I can't keep up with this family or I can't do this or, oh, they're really judgmental or every time we go to their house, like that we have severed ourselves from true connection with each other. When all, every single person wants is to know that they are validated and that we see their purpose. And that's so much of, I think, what you were speaking to in the beginning, which was how can we create things that allow for value and for purpose and however people can access that? Because, you know, my husband and I, you know, Alex Gitlin, um, and we we talk all, all the time about that of a lot of the – you know, violence that we see in the world, a lot of like, let's bring that even smaller. Again, let's just go back that to judgment or on social media and people feeling this way or that way. And I'm like, it's because people aren't seeing themselves. So if they can't see themselves, they're not going to be able to see and, and or identify with anyone. And if they can't see themselves and they see people who can see themselves, what happens? It makes us angry. We don't know why, but anger is a very real, easy emotion to clam onto. Yes, absolutely. You've, you've, you've nailed this. I mean, you've done your homework here. You know what you're talking about because you're absolutely right. I want to focus on two things you just said that I think are really important. We're going to talk about a definition and we're going to talk about a stigma. The definition of God. Everybody has a different definition of God. And there's no wrong definition of God. I'm going to tell you mine because, you know, quite naturally, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think God is the bridge that links our emotions together. So let's say you're having a moment. Let's say you've fallen in love with somebody. Let's say you're sitting and watching a sunset and you're feeling the butterflies in your stomach. Let's say your child was just born and you're looking deep into your child's eyes and they may not be able to give anything back to you, but you're feeling it, whatever that emotion might be. That's God. God's present in that moment, just like Jacob in the story of Jacob's ladder, right? When the angels were ascending and descending the ladder and Jacob said, you know, and I'm going to toss out some Hebrew, right? You just said that to me before, right? Huh, funny. See, I can be funny too. Um, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. I think that's what God is, recognizing the emotions that you're feeling. So that's one thing. That's what I firmly believe. Secondly, the stigma. I don't go to synagogue. I don't go to church. I don't drive that $75,000 car. I don't fit in. That's a stigma. That doesn't make you a bad Jew. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. That doesn't make you, if you don't go to, to, to your call to prayer, that doesn't make you a bad Muslim. None of that matters. It's how you connect. It's what that looks like to you. I have more people in my congregation come up to me and tell me how bad of a Jew they are because 
Uh, they didn't come to Shabbat services in the last couple of weeks. Oh, I haven't been here in a while. I haven't called you. That's just the farthest thing from the truth. The fact that they're there, the fact that they're engaged, the fact that they even make that comment means that they care. And sure, there's a little bit of guilt involved within their, themselves, but that should never detract from the fact that you have pride in who you are and who you can be moving forward. And that is what drives me crazy when people of faith who want to be faithful but they want to do it in their own relevant, relatable way are getting in their own way. Clip it. Clip it. That's the clip. Right? I No, I, no you're absolutely right. I love that so much because that's where, where I got that like big in my, in my body even where I was like, because that's even going back to that guilt of, oh, well, sorry, like I should have done this or I should have done that. That's what I want to encourage people to do, which is, so I have an initiative um, called the Misfit Light. And it's all about that, of that all of us who feel as though we don't fit in here, we don't fit in there. Or, oh, it's this, it's that. It's like, let's take any of this stigma out. Let's take any of this competition, any of this judgment. And probably the thing that makes you feel like a misfit is actually your most unique gifts. Absolutely. So- so what can we do to bring you back, as I call it, this self-revolution, right? This, this self-revival, because I also, you know, it's in order to do collective, like to collective good, in order to shift what is happening in our world, these institutions that are falling, these, you know, worlds, I'm sure you're very, you know, aware of what's, you know, going on and it's affecting you and, and your congregations and, you know, raising these very huge generational i know i loved very much in your bio um that you wrote your <laughs> rabbinical presentation on the holocaust and afterwards you wrote for some light reading ask uh <laughs> rabbi brian for a copy i thought that was very charming so right i don't mean to to um to speak out of turn or share anything that you don't know but so with that information and what's going on in the world and what has been continuing to go on and what will continue to go on until we begin to awaken to what is happening and what is happening is what is going on inside of us and why are we this angry and why are we this divisive? Why have we, why, what, it, what is up with this call to arms? What can we do? So much of my work is like wanting to disarm us and bring back that self-awareness and that sense of connectedness. And that I know, at least for me, you know, what I feel is, as I define it, what God is calling me to do is using comedy as this vehicle of disarm. Because if I can make you laugh, I've made a friend. So right. great, now we're actually gonna be able to have a conversation. And you know, I know that music does that as well. And I know that you're very involved with music and that's a huge part of your life as well. And, um, but yeah, so I, I just love so much of that, of that people, because of the stigma, people feel like they don't have anywhere to go where in fact, it's like, that. that's what I feel like. Those are the folks that I'm really, calling in and wanting to connect with are those folks who kind of are feeling lost at sea in the, yes. in the midst of all of it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's a, um, I, I think it's important that we begin, you know, it's never too late. We need to begin to focus on the, what can be rather than the, what isn't or what wasn't. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a story that I like to think about um, all the time because it was one of the main inspirations behind me creating and founding Branch Out Faith. And 
there was a time where I was uh, opening up the, the the Holy Ark within our synagogue sanctuary. That it's the area where the Torah scrolls are are held, and um, the kids wouldn't come up there. The kids in the religious school didn't want to come up, and the parents were also kind of holding them back from coming up. And they said, I'm like, why aren't y'all, I mean, just in a, in a fun, why aren't y'all coming up? Come on, let's go. And they're like, no, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to come up on the bima. That's your spot as the rabbi. And I'm thinking back to the way that synagogues were created you know, back in the in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, where you have the pews out front, and then the the what we call the bima, the the pulpit area is raised significantly, and then you have rabbis in big robes, and I, I mean, how unapproachable does that get when you when you're praying with somebody when they're standing and singing and talking to you rather than with you? I mean, how unapproachable is that? And I think that stigma of classical reform Judaism that has, um, that did stem from the classic church. That was where it was originated from. Was the, And it created that separation. Really still the effects of that are today. So going back to the story, I'm thinking to myself, this needs to be approachable. And the first thing that's coming to my mind is, they're not coming up because they don't feel that that sanctuary or those Torah scrolls are theirs. I said, friends, come on up. This is your Torah. This isn't my Torah. This is yours. It's ours, right? And then all of a sudden they felt more comfortable and they inched their way up there. And all of a sudden they're smiling and feeling a part of the community rather than separate from their clergy. And so... I'm thinking about a lot of my members who, you know, what happens within the Jewish faith all too often is that a child becomes bar or bat mitzvah, right, at the age of 13. And then it ends. They get up to that point. They're learning about how to, uh, how to be Jewish, right, and all the things. And then the bar mitzvah or the bat mitzvah happens, and then they don't continue through their education through confirmation. Then what happens? They go to college and, <clears throat> excuse me, and they have a little bit of a sense of self-identity. And then the next time they really step foot in a synagogue, now this isn't everybody, it's just as a whole. The next time they step foot in a synagogue is when? When they have children, when they're adults. So here they are as adults, they're 30, 40, whatever years old. And they step foot back in and their kids are learning Hebrew and their kids are learning all the things they learned about. And there's a family camp or a family club. Well, the 40 or 50 or 30, 40, 50 year old has the Jewish education of a 13 year old. What makes you want to dive deeper if you feel completely inadequate because you're essentially a Jewish juvenile in your thought process? So what we do is we help after the bar and bat mitzvah process, not to help them only be Jewish, but how to think Jewish, how to really take the lessons that they've learned and make it relatable within their lives. And so these stories and these um, anecdotes is what helped create Branch Out Faith. Because as a faith community in Judaism and Christianity, 
people aren't just dropping everything and running to a synagogue or a church right now. Those unaffiliated people aren't doing it on their own. And the churches and synagogues aren't exactly doing and investing in the necessary outreach to go get those people. So what are we to do? Are we just supposed to leave these people hung out to dry? No, we can try to get to them, try to create that bridge back to their faith. So hopefully they'll feel inspired because for all the things you said, maybe they're feeling inadequate. Maybe they were feeling judged. Maybe they were feeling dismissed. Well, all of that should end. Let's help create slowly but surely that faith connection again so they can grow back and grow in their faith and be proud of who they are and who they want to be. Amen. Absolutely. And I think with that, I think what you're, or at least what I'm interpreting is interpreting some of what you're speaking to as well. Like, I think it's also, especially those of us that have placed ourselves in position as spiritual leaders and whatever that means, it's also, it's like, that's our job. Our job is to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what happens where, you know, there are like, traditional either like religious services or even like holidays that some people just don't feel connected to. And so it's like, rather than being like, well, here's another way in, here's another way in, here's another, it's like, well, what makes you feel connected? Do you feel connected when you go for a hike? Do you feel connected when you do, when you're teaching your kids, you know, their math? Do you feel like, let's start there. Where are the places in which you can identify within your life that you feel connected? Right. Yep. And hopefully I'm going to be able to get at least one. Right. But most people who are somewhat well adjusted, et cetera, like aren't really struggling um, from a place of either like identity or, you know, with um, like mental health struggles, they could probably name three to five of places where they feel connected. And it's like, great. Okay. Now we have a conversation. Now we have something to talk about. And I think that's a lot, you know, when you, when you speak about that, even you know, the parents were even kind of holding their kids back because they've even come up with this generational idea of like, well, that's for, you know, tradi traditionally him, but that's for the rabbi. And then this is where we are. And I think Christianity does that in a way of purity. Mm. Why is anybody going to come to anybody in the church and talk about something that they're really struggling with? If I just have this family up there who looks picture perfect and nothing's wrong and everybody pretends like there's no problems and everything's wonderful. And that's where I get incensed. And I always have because there is, while at least within the Christian, and I have some differing point of views on some things, but where let's say that the goal is spiritual purity. Let's just say that that's what it is. We're also, we are humans in pursuit of that. So we're never gonna hit the full goal. And, and that's okay. So it, you know, when you were talking about like, how can we connect people to even like um, these Jewish lessons and how can they take them into their world and learn like how to be Jewish and how to make that this point of pride and take that out and allow it to illuminate in their communities and outside of themselves. And I feel like because of this purity standard and because of this, as I would define it, fake idea of, oh, if you do everything right, then you'll look like this picture perfect family where I'm like, I know full and well, I'm intuitive enough to know you guys got in a fight before church even started and you guys aren't talking to each other, even though you can get up there and smile for a photo. Well, now so you're getting that. into, now you're getting into the second stigma, right? 
you're getting into that. Yeah, you're getting into that stigma of mental health. Everybody is battling something you know nothing about. Maybe you've experienced before, but it's not like you broke your arm. It's not like you have a physical challenge that you're dealing with. It's all up here and it's all in here, right? So just like you said, I know you were just fighting on the way to church. But then you go put on a smiling face. There are couples out there who look like the perfect family where everything is all good. They may be having some significant marital problems or, psych or, or, or financial problems. or You just don't know what's going on. And that sense of purity that you're talking about right now, I mean, that is a hard thing to achieve. And it's almost impossible to completely achieve it because one of the beautiful parts of humanity is that we're fallible. We make mistakes. I mean, I recognize you're looking at me and of course I, I look perfect in every way possible, but I'm not. I'm not even trying to pretend that I am. I have made so many mistakes. I mean, I wake up every morning and I've apologized three times already. It's a sense of humility that we have to have. God may be perfect, or but God wasn't perfect in every single way, right? Look at, just read the Torah. God had some issues, but God corrected it. Lessons were given. And that's a huge part of faith also. How do we become better, just a little bit better tomorrow than we were today, and certainly better than yesterday? And branch out faith, I'm aiming to bring people along for that journey because people need that. They need the ability to not only talk about their fallibility, to talk about the challenges they face, to talk about their fears and anxieties and emotions. They also need to be in touch with themselves to process it so they can get better to do what God intends us to do. And that is to become better each and every day. That's Amen. what it's about. And, but, no, absolutely. But that's, I think that's where, again, I, I feel like yes, as people that are in positions or leaders, right. There are probably, they, we've, we, um, have experienced this, have very deep faith, walk in that faith, have probably, you know, I mean, I even sit and, and, um, you know, I have my own rituals and prayer that I do once a day, right? Like mm -hmm. it is a daily, not only do I make sure that the choices that I'm making, the things that I'm saying yes to all of those things are in alignment with what it is that I want to continue to grow into and, and all of those things, but then I even make concentrated time to make sure that I'm really having that sense of connection so that I can realign every day. Right now, not everybody that take, that took me a long time. I would say that's taken me six years of like continuing to really, you know, that's a long time. So I understand where, you know, meaning that it makes sense to me why certain leaders are in positions. So you don't want a leader who like is their energy is kind of all over the place. They are they're like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, obviously you want somebody who you feel is solid and stable, but then that's my thing of like, then how, and also how can we really connect with people for them to know that what they're going through is okay? Because I would say then there's even this third stigma of shame that people carry so much shame 
that even if they wanted to process all of this stuff, even if they're like, okay, great. Like Rabbi Brian, that sounds great. But also like, like to even get past that, like cloud of shame takes so much work and being able to like, you know, is this making sense? I just, it's such a big concept. Yes. I haven't it, even really worked through it, 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 my language around it, but. It does. I mean, shame yeah. is, to me, my own opinion, shame is synonymous with paralyzation. When you feel shame in something, you don't, you, you physically, emotionally, and mentally cannot take a step forward because you're stuck. You're feeling so bogged down and are drowning in the quicksand of shame. So I would argue that the only way to get past that type of spiritual and emotional paralysis is by doing whatever it takes to try to take that step forward to begin being pulled out of the quicksand. It's, it's the person putting their hand in or strapping a, uh, a rope around your waist and taking the pickup truck and, dry and, and and literally pulling you out. That's really the only way. And you're right. That is very, very challenging to even face. And so many people just say, okay, I'm going to leave myself in it. And, you know, this too shall pass. It's the stigma, the ongoing stigma we're going to have to try to alleviate or mitigate, I should say, because we're not going to be able to take those steps forward individually, communally, and then as a larger society, unless we begin right there. And I'm grateful for some of the other mental health, telehealth companies, you know, Talkspace and and um, BetterHelp and all of those, you know, that have provided a, a space where people in their homes or wherever can talk with a therapist. Now, I have my other thoughts on them. I think they're good, solid platforms. And then there's more. There's the spiritual side of it, that I think there's that angle through, as you said before, our narratives, our stories, our text, our history, that can help connect us to better make things relatable because Clinical psychologists are wonderful, necessary, and useful. But talking with a rabbi or a pastor, hopefully that you will gain trust from, will be able to put things into a perspective that isn't necessarily only clinical, but that's emotional for you as well. And, um, you know, that's a beautiful part of faith is that there's a collective and a personal history. There's a memory that comes through this because you remember going to church or you remember, uh, you know, participating in, in Easter or Easter egg hunt or dinners or, you know, all of those things, communion. And in Judaism, I remember my Passover seders. I remember, uh, you know, celebrating Hanukkah. I remember going to high holidays and falling asleep during the sermons when I was, you know, five, six years old. But I remember these things. It's a part of my collective memory, and that's hopefully what will be able to help transfer some of that paralysis to uh, to inching forward, because it's not a quick fix by any means, but giving it a chance is the first step. Absolutely, and I even really appreciate you speaking to the idea of like mental health versus like spiritual wellness, because yeah. I, as I identify them, I think they're different. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's something too, that we live in this society that's like, take this pill and now you'll be skinny, put this in <laughs> your, you know, like, and now like put Botox in your face and you'll never look, you know, and then it's like, if you're, and then for a man, it's like, well, if you make this much money, like then you'll always be great. Oh, but if you make this much money and you're over six feet tall, then we'll really love you. Like, you know, so, so we have this outside society that we have all built together collectively. I mean, that's something I always like to say when people are like, well, the world is so awful. I'm like, well, you also are here, you're participating, which means that we also, what we've created, we have the ability to shift and change. And that's really what I want to help pushing. Uh, yeah, I'll say the word push, but I want to help push and guide people towards, which is that realization of like, if we created it, that means we can change it. And this, this accepting of what is, and then being like, oh, well, I don't know. And then getting on Amazon and, bo- and buying more things you don't need that's certainly not helping. So it's also like, what are, what are like solutions? I think that's a thing. And now I understand solution is a uh, tricky word because what works for somebody might not work for other people. So maybe we'll say aid. What are things that can help aid? What can create that harm reduction? What are the things that can help people bring them closer to themselves? Because I feel like that's a start. Yeah. I mean, you know, so what's the reason somebody has insurance? It's to protect themselves and also to protect others. You know, by law, at least here in California, you need auto insurance. You need a certain level of auto insurance. You need health insurance. You need those things to protect yourself and to protect others. You know, I view Branch Out Faith as an amazing insurance policy in a way. No, it's not. But I'm, I'm, I'm from an analogous perspective. It is because yeah, you never know. You never know when you're going to have that moment. You never know when you're going to feel something deep. You just never know. And that's the whole thing. And to have something in your back pocket where instantaneously you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to address it. You can get in there before it, spiral, it spirals out of control. I think that's an amazing, beautiful thing. And, um, and something that just doesn't exist yet. You know, and that's why, you know, in our mental wellness offerings, we're offering four different types of things, which I think is extremely important Four different types of sessions. And I hope you don't mind if I, if I just share those, because I think, I I think it'll show it's going to support exactly what we've just been talking about. So the first thing we offer within our platform, any subscriber that we have, uh, you have the ability to asynchronously message with a guide, right? You could say hello. You could share your life story. You could share the issue that you're having and someone will be there to get back to you. It may not be instantaneously in that moment, but you're going to be able to connect and create a relationship and hopefully build trust. And so that's the bottom. That's a ground level. That's the start. And then you have these sessions. These sessions, we have 20 minute mindfulness moments. These are all live video. So just like FaceTime or Zoom, you're on with, with a guide right there who is willing to hold your hand. And we have beautiful mindfulness moments that based on the narratives and the text of our traditions, both Jewish and Christian, we are able to walk you through, focus on your breathing, ground you in that moment and create not only that okay you know, okay moment in that time, but really to create the intentionality 
that you were discussing before, Rachel, right? It's being truly intentional in that moment. And so that's 15 minutes of the whole process based on how you're feeling and the emotion you're feeling in that moment. But we're not going to leave it there. We have follow-up questions to process it with you. We're not just going to let you go. We're going to process it with you to give you the tools to then take that next step throughout your day. Again, we're getting ready, rid of being paralyzed. We're going to help you. And even if it's just a, a, a millimeter, we've, we've turned the needle for you. So those are mindfulness moments. Our 50-minute sessions are both spiritual direction and pastoral counseling. Spiritual direction is a long-term process. It's a long-term goal that you have in mind where you are working with a guide to find that deep spiritual connection with God or your own faith or culture within your life to make it meaningful on an ongoing basis. You know, so it is basically just as if you're trying to change your nutritional habits or you are trying to develop a love and a passion for something or someone, you are seeing it develop in real time where it's not what the guide wants you to hear. It's guiding you on that path. So you're figuring it out on your own. And we're just here to hold your hand as you go. So that's a really powerful thing that's much more common within Christian societies. And so it is certainly also very useful within the Jewish faith as well. So if you're overcoming addiction or you are really struggling with something deep and you need to really shift your spiritual focus, that's going to be the way to do it. So that's spiritual direction. We also have pastoral counseling, and this is different than therapy. Wait, sorry, can I, yeah. wait, sorry, can I say one thing about that just because I, I don't want to forget. Um, Please. What, what I really love and really just like just stokes, stokes my little flame about that is when we're also teaching people that a sense of spiritual direction, spiritual, spiritual connectedness, mental wellness, any of these, right, anything within the realm, I'm going to trust that the listener understands what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, when we let people know that this is a journey, that a journey to a sense of feeling that they are, as I would define it, in spiritual alignment, that they feel like their outside world is matching their inner world, their inner world is matching their outer world, that they feel in purpose and they feel of value, that is a really long journey. Because I think that that also goes back to that, take this pill and then you'll be skinny. And I think there is some of that. I will just speak to Christianity rather than, because that's my experience, um, which, you know, the idea is that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now you're going to heaven. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. People still have to live on earth. And if we do not give them the tools of what does that mean? And so often I always hear, it's like, give it up to God, give it to God. Yes, 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 yes. But if we can't break down what that means for people and how does that, how does that look for you? Maybe you feel most connected to God when you're dancing. Maybe mm -hmm. you feel most, you know, so again, it's like when we aren't providing and not that it's our job to do the walk for other people, right? We're here to guide and shepherd people. That's our job, right? Um, and it's up to each individual for sure. But I, that's what I really love so much about that offering because it allows people, I think, already the buy-in of, so if the way you're feeling right now, and maybe it's alleviated just a little bit, like you said, we've turned that just enough. I always love to endow people of like, and that's enough for today mm -hmm. because faith is also about trusting that the integration, the things that you're working towards, the things that you're putting into the world, the thing where you are 
as I would define it, instilling your faith in God, when you're stepping out of that comfort zone and you're going, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to be a little bit louder. I'm going to try to be a little bit bigger. I'm going to connect with people who maybe, you know, that's outside of my comfort zone. That is investing. That is that faith investment. That's saying, I trust that I'm being guided and I'm going to go for it. Right. My, my joke yep. always with, with my, with my God, as I define it is always like, well, you better not let me down now. Cause I'm taking a real <laughs> big swing for this team over here. Right. Right. Okay? right. So you better right. catch that ball out there. All right. You know? Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share that, that I, I think that that is so beautiful because you're really, what you're doing is you're meeting people where they're at and yeah. then you are, you're really providing for them that sense of don't feel kooky bananas. If when we get off the phone, you don't feel great because what we're doing right now is a long-term investment. That's right. And I want you to know that, you know, that we are here for, so each step of those ways, if it gets a little too difficult, call us. Yes. And we're here and that's what this that's what this is about. Is really Exactly. And so that's the long-term play. What about the short-term play? What about the acute nature of things? And that's where pastoral counseling comes in to play. Pastoral counseling isn't meant to be a long-term thing. Right? It's meant to be short-term, 3 to 5 sessions, maybe at most, right? If you're having marital problems, you're struggling with uh, you know, your child who's having behavioral issues or you are struggling at work. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. If by talking to a guide, you have the ability to present what it is you're feeling and have us meet you where you're at with the wisdom and values of faith. And I think that is very different than a clinical approach, only a clinical approach. Because there are plenty of stories in the Hebrew Bible, in the New Testament, in uh, the writings of our traditions, in our own experiences that we can share that can help people feel just a little better in that immediate moment. Because a lot of those things aren't necessarily long-term. Marital problems might be a little bit longer. Too. You know, they may extend, but... You know, you're, you're going to be approached with something or some way, a viable option to hopefully get past that. And so pastoral counseling really is one of the centerpieces of what we're what we're offering to people, because when you're having that moment. We're going to be able to help you in that moment and talking about it is better than holding it inside. Not everybody get, has gotten there yet, but it really is. And so by having those, not only the ability to schedule these types of um, sessions with us, but to be able to just click the button when you're in it and you'll be connected to one of our guides. You won't get the specific one necessarily that you're looking for, but at least you're presented with the opportunity, just like going to urgent care, just like, you know, <laughs> I don't even know of another analogy that works, but you know, it, it, it's that similar idea that when you're having the moment, feel free to take the moment and make you and make faith at the same time the priority because it's going to help you grow. And that's what I'm most proud about with our, uh, our mindful or our, our um, mental wellness branch because it provides all of those things. Also, I forgot, we have a mindfulness video archive, all faith-based, all unique all helping your breathing, helping to ground you, three to six minute videos, 
They help positivity. They help get you in that moment to realize that you as individual, you are an inspiration. And this is what you bring to the world. So when you're signing on to our platform, you can take advantage of all of these things. And that's just the mental wellness branch that we have available. It's one way in. I love it. And I think, you know, because again, I always think of it. Yeah, I, I just think when we can make people feel empowered, when we can make people feel like I always say the most um, universal lessons are hidden in the specificities of our lives. Right. Yes. And so all these people that are feeling this, um, this like shame or this guilt or this paralysis, this, you know, everything. And so it gets so scary for us to ask for help because we have this idea, which is so uniquely human and just hilarious to me that somehow we're the only people that have endured this pain. Now that I don't say that to make light of the pain, the trauma, the unfolding, the confusion, those are all very heavy and very real, but that's so much of, you know, what I think is so beautiful about those, those videos, which is the offering of like, even if maybe you're not ready to like talk to other people, like that's yeah. just even one kind of easy way to have people dip their toe in because again, and I love the distinction of things that are kind of need a short term fix. Like, ah, oh, my husband and I kind of keep going back and forth about this one thing and having somebody from the outside be like, well, here's what I'm seeing. And then for both parties to be able to go, Ah, you so, like, you know, yeah. it's not about solving it, but meaning like, you know, just having, I always say it's doing the crossword puzzle and you can't find the final word. And you know, the waitress walks over your shoulder and she's like, Oh, expedite. I'm a sports fan. So everything for me comes back to sports. That's not for everybody, but I am. And I love baseball, right? What your team goes out and plays and they either win 18 to 1 or they lose 18 to 1. That's a pretty lopsided score in game. Probably not so fun to watch for either side, really. But what, what does that do to a team's mentality? What does it do to a player? Well, all right, there's tomorrow, there's the next game. It actually doesn't mean that much because it's a small. It's a small part of a much bigger picture, right? So even if you lost, you could win the next 10 games and that'll only be one loss. So the point of that analogy is that these are little victories. Little victories along the way are what equals world championships because they add up. And we're trying to be championship style humans here. We're trying to create a championship style uh, society where we care for one another, where we're there to support one another, where we are seeing a world that is, uh, you know, a little bit better, that's filled with more love in your heart than hate in your heart. That's what we're out to help people do and achieve. And when we do it together, it creates a championship society. And that's what, that's what these little things, each step you take, that's what helps us get there. And, and that's why I believe in it so much. That's why I want to dedicate uh, a lot of my life to that fact. Because together with baby steps, they're going to turn into big, long jumps. Yeah. Amen. You have my vote. That's, I mean, that's exactly what, uh, I just feel that so 
<clears throat> so intensely. And there, there's actually so many of these concepts that I feel so intensely that um, I'm still learning my language of how to deliver this as I would define it medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, mm -hmm. of bringing people closer to themselves is kind of where the position that I like to place myself in um, only because I don't have as much, uh, um, like I don't have an educated background in like theology on one side or the other. And I feel mm -hmm. like there's so many ways to bring people closer to God and to bring that where it's like, that's, that's my thing of like, how can we just bring you closer to yourself so that you feel all of these gifts that you have and you can go into the world and bring all of these gifts. And, and then it's exactly right where it's like, you know, um, Alex and I went to a comedy show last night and it was in state farm arena. And I looked around, and I'm like, man, there's probably, you know, 7,000 people here, let's say. And it's like, let's say, what would I want to be able to, if I had that, when I have that opportunity, what am I going to say to 7,000 people? Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about, okay, if we're looking at each one as a game in the series, it's like, all right, this is my at bat. What are, what are we going to say to people in order to, you know, bring them closer to seeing themselves so that they can go out into the world and exactly as you know as you're sharing of lighting up so overall we get to this place where we are content we feel connected to our higher power we feel connected in our communities and that a lot of that anger and frustration that we are seeing and we're vilifying each other and it's resulting in violence and you know or even just division let's just start there let's just say like just even the division where I think that need to point fingers at other people is really gonna fall away because we are in this place of feeling so connected that comes from a place of love because we can acknowledge ourselves. And when we can acknowledge ourselves, we can acknowledge other people because it isn't them or us. It's just us. Yes. Right? I mean that you've, you've, you've nailed it again. I mean, that is, that is, that's the universal part that I think everybody hopes for and dreams for. I know at times, especially right now, you know, particularism stands out and often that's necessary as well, but you know, not to be cliche, but also to be completely cliche, we're all in it together. We're all humans here. No one is more, no more human than the other. There are acts that might be a little more human than the other, but we're all humans. Take it or leave it. You're stuck with it. It's not going to change unless we change. So how can we get there together? It's by joining hands. You know, that that's the way and that's the support. And, you know, I, I really believe that. And that starts with education. That starts with connection. That starts with understand, having developing even a, the smallest of understandings of the other. I think it's really... Uh, I, it's something we are able to do. I, I, I want to express that hope and optimism, especially in a time where that might be challenging to feel and see that we can, we can get there. We really can. And in Branch Out, you know, we're offering those types of things. Culture Corner, when that's developed, we're gonna have wonderful content. We're gonna have wonderful content that will help educate you what about, you know, Bubby's brisket, you know? What about, um, you know, the wonderful Easter dinner that you had with your family? What about certain recipes, music, art, comedy, 
in all of these different aspects of things. These are just ways to connect. That's what, that's what taking those little tiny, and if you're already watching it on YouTube and you're already searching, you're already interested anyway. Yeah. Why not have it from a, a place all under one roof? And that's, and that's pretty cool too. So the idea is learn when you want and how you want, where you want and when you want. So kind of the time-based paradigm now isn't going to be there and it won't, you won't get in the way of the other priorities that you might've been putting above your faith. And so you can kind of do it all and be it all. The, well, the other thing I love, so I love the, the culture corner. That's so wonderful. And I, and I also really love, um, cause I also think this is something I talk about sometimes with, um, Alex too, where I'm always like, I think there's also just a lot of people who don't like, if it wasn't something that was in their community, like they just don't know anything about either like another religion or another, like it's to go bigger than that, like a, another culture if they haven't been exposed to it. So the only thing that they would have is any sort of reference is probably not the great, the greatest references because they tend to be like stereotypes or jokes or, you know, it's like bad memes, like when we're, and, and still, and even if it's the, the celebration of different cultures too, let's not be so negative, but it's also where it's like, when, if you haven't been steeped in it that you don't know. So being able to have all of that in one space where you kind of get an eye into either culture is also just like a beautiful way to, again, disarm and be like, this is what we do. And this is like a beautiful thing so that people can also find the ways in which it identifies and they find it really beautiful. Yeah. Like even when um, we have like uh, Jonah was in school here um, at a Jewish day school and um, we would go in for Shabbat sings and I'm like, I'm loving it and in it. And then one of the other moms and she was like, oh, where did you grow up going to synagogue? And I was like, oh, no, I'm not Jewish. And she was like, what? You just looked like you were having the greatest time. And I was like, well, I am. This is beautiful. Are you kidding? I was like. Friday morning, we're healthy. The sun is shining. We're singing these beautiful songs. We're in this sacred building. Like, you know, although my experience and that that isn't to also diminish the beautiful like history and culture and text and all of those things, but I think just wanting to highlight of how much we all can enjoy and find richness yeah. from different cultures, religions, food, music, comedy, like you were sharing, the point of human creation is to be shared. And so I think yeah. really what you've created at the heart of it is this beautiful way, and my whole body is lit up, is this beautiful way to create a sense of what feels very grounded. And, and I also love so much that it is, it is celebrating the text and theology and religion of both Christianity and Judaism, but bringing it up to this modern way to where we can access it. So you're, so you're offering us as I would feel like you're really offering us both, which mm -hmm. feels like this um, exploration deeper into these things and the history of it and the ideology. And then you're also offering us the levity of, you know, kind of being able to integrate it into our lives. And I think it's a really, really beautiful offering. And I'm so excited to see how this develops, especially it's like when it really takes off, I'll be like, you got to go back and listen to my episode with Rabbi, with Rabbi Brian. Oh, totally. All about it. You, you know, what's so cool about all of this is, um, you know, Torah, for example, right? Torah, for the listeners who aren't familiar with that, um, 
with that term is essentially the five books of Moses uh, within the uh, the Hebrew Bible or what some refer to as the Old Testament. So Genesis, Leviticus, sorry, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The, it is funny sometimes just how relevant it is. You know, when, when the Torah portion of that week that, that Jews read lines up with what's going on in the world. I mean, just this one, this week, for example, is the story of Isaac and Ishmael being born. Isaac and Ishmael, there was essentially good versus evil. That's what is, you know, quote unquote, shared. And then once that has happened, then you see the reconciliation between the two. And you look at what's going on in the world today, and you're seeing Isaac and Ishmael in a world that's against each other when really it shouldn't be. It's just amazing how it all comes together. That's making Torah, that's making narrative, that's making stories and text and cult, everything relatable. Why would someone not want that? I, I can't, I don't understand it. Maybe that's what makes me a rabbi. I, I don't know. But there are all of these things. And just like, you know, if you see a really good recipe for something that might be good for a Shabbat dinner or for a, a Christmas dinner or something along those lines or a, or a Sunday after church family gathering, well, go learn from somebody else. Go find out what you can do to make your life just a little bit better that week. It's just, it's all there for you. Let's take advantage of it. That's what's just so cool. It's relevant and it can fit your life. That's what, that's what I love about faith. That's what I love about what I do as a rabbi within Branch Out, within my congregation, um, and within the Christian faith. My Christian partners, too, are uh, truly exceptional at this, and they love it as well. So it's pretty cool. I love that. I love that so much, and I should have asked you this question earlier because, yeah. you know, energetically we can feel it. We found the end of the conversation, but I have to ask. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Which is, so what was the, because I'm just curious of like, that's so much as I would define it, like life force energy of everything you do. We didn't even talk about all of your music. Like mm -hmm. there's, I mean, just so much. I told um, Alex before we jumped on, he was like, what do you think you're going to talk to Brian about? And I was like, I have so many things. I was like, did you read? I was like, you, I was like, why didn't you tell me that he's done? I was like, he's done so many like magical and amazing things. He's like, yeah, I told you. It was really cool. Um, <laughs> But, but what was, like, I know the inciting incident for me that brought me, uh, you know, theoretically, like, to my knees where I was like, I am ready for a life of spiritual guidance. I'm ready to, like, be led in that way. And, um, and then thus my whole life has changed and here we sit today. So I'm curious um, to the extent that you're willing to share, like, what was that? shift for you where you were like, I would really like to be in service of the Jewish people. And I like to go and be like, I'm going to become a rabbi. It started, um, it started when I went to camp, uh, Jewish sleepaway camp. And that was when I was, uh, you know, early teenager or so give or take. Um, and I went to UAHC camp swig in Saratoga, California. Um, unfortunately it doesn't exist anymore, but I was there as a camper and I saw song leaders get up there singing Jewish music. And I mean, 
jump kids jumping around. It didn't matter what they were singing to. They were just singing and loving each other and jumping and loving being Jewish, where being Jewish wasn't something to be ashamed of. It was something where it was cool to be Jewish, where kids were screaming, I love being Jewish. I mean, I was sold at that point. Then I became a staff member at the sister camp, Camp Newman, a counselor and a song leader. And it just, it made me realize how much of an effect positively we can have on people and um, as leaders. And I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to be a driving force in that, not only because I believed in it, but because I wanted other people to believe in it too. And so then as I, I grew up into adulthood and I matured into adulthood and uh, went to school, I went to the Ohio State University as an undergrad and uh, studied journalism. And I realized how much journalism you were basically out for yourself. And I, and I didn't like it. It wasn't a fun, uh, it wasn't a fun uh, project to be a part of. And so I, I changed my major to Jewish studies with an emphasis on um, World War II Holocaust history. And I just learned the lessons of the Holocaust. These are lessons that are going to keep continuing throughout, um, throughout our history. And so um, I just developed a deep passion for that. That led me to want to teach and be a part of congregational life. And then I realized one step further what congregational life could bring, and that was um, using music to help drive people's spiritual forces and make people feel good and grounded and warm in that, um, in, in that moment and to listen to music on their iPods at the time I'm dating myself, um, or cassette tapes or CDs, um, you know, that they'd already be listening to. So yeah, you listen to the red hot chili peppers, but you're also listening to Debbie Friedman or Dan Nichols, or, or stuff like that, or David Broza. And so that was really meaningful. And then probably the most powerful development was that I realized by my actions and by my talents and by my spiritual core and desire that I could be there for people in the most intimate moments of their lives. When someone's being born, when it's times of celebration or what we call simchas, or when people are dying or getting divorced in the most challenging moments of people's lives. What an honor and a privilege to be the person who is bedside or couch side or coffee table side or through the times that we're going through right now. What a privilege to be that, to be a voice for people to turn to, to find comfort and inspiration and joy. I just don't think there's a better job than that. It's a, it's a weird job. It's a weird service, to be sure. It's very strange. Um, you know, it is one of the most unique positions to be clergy in, in the world. But I also wouldn't trade it in. I really like, unless I were a professional baseball player and I had that skill. I, would, <laughs> that's, I may trade it in for that, but let's be realistic. So that's really how it all that was the spark. It was just this continued development that each and every step I would see that um, I would see that we would have the ability to change people's lives and enhance people's lives and be there for the best moments possible. So I'm really thrilled about that. That's why I love what I do. 
And I want to bring, that's why I want to bring branch out to a broader world because I want people to experience that too, that are outside of congregations. Yes. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. I'm always just so curious. I find, um, because the paths that we walk are not easy and are very challenging. And in order, I feel like to really do them as I would define it from like our highest, um, takes a lot of spiritual discipline. It takes a lot of discipline in our schedule. It takes a lot of emotional regulation. Um, and so it's definitely a unique choice. So I'm always curious to hear other folks, how they really came to that place. But I also love hearing, which I feel the same, which is truly about the privilege and honor to be able to experience the experience of being human with other people is really what it is. It's bearing witness to other people's like highs and lows of, of being human. And there's, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than that. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. So we have spoken all about our excitement and all of, I mean, even really got to, you know, the audience got to hear even the specificities of the offerings that you guys have, some of the offerings that are going to be coming out of Branch Out. So how does it, what is the form that it exists in now and how can people access it? And, or let's say people hear this and they're like, this is amazing. Can they donate money? Can they reach out to you and be like, Hey, I'd love you. Like where, where are kind of all of those things so we can throw this out into the ether and, and even help it grow. Well, thanks for that opportunity. That's really important too. So first of all, you can check us out www.branchoutfaith.com. It tells basically anything and everything of what the final product is going to be. Um, At this point, what is developed is our mental wellness branch, both for branch out Judaism and branch out Christianity. Right. So, Um, That is what's up and running with a little bit of culture corner involved. We have this thing called culture consult, which is, which is pretty awesome. You click the button and you'll get connected kind of like a concierge with one of our guides. It'll likely be me. So if you want to talk to me, say, hi, there I am. Um, Let's say you're looking for a recipe. Let's say you're looking for a piece of music or you're in New York and you want to find some good, uh, a good restaurant um, that might be kosher or you're in Paris and you need a church Click on us, we'll help you find it. We're not going to make the reservation for you, but we'll help you find it. So that's kind of a unique feature that we have available. So that's where we're at. Um, in the near future, within the next several months, we're going to be releasing the, the Culture Corner. And then uh, hopefully by June or July, we'll release the Learning Loft, which is the self-paced gamified learning. Now that's all you know to be determined, but it's all going to be released. And that's what's going to be the full the full, full platform. We have three subscription levels at the moment, a basic, a plus, and a premium model. And uh, what those basically get you right now is um, the main difference between the three are, are the inclusion of leaves. And so leaves within the branch out platform is our, is our virtual currency. I don't want you to keep having to press your credit card button every single time you want to do something. So our live video mental wellness sessions not the texting, that's all included, but the video sessions, the live video sessions require leaves. So it's one leaf per 20 minute session and two leaves for a 50 minute session. And so with a plus subscription, you get one leaf included per month, which is a $50 value. And then you get three for the premium. So that's really where we're at now, but down the line, you'll get more and more included as you as you subscribe for the higher value. But the fact is you get $150 worth of sessions in the premium subscription for $89.99, which is a pretty good deal. 
So, and then you have the ability to purchase more leaves within the platform. So, um, we're willing to accept any money that you want to give, uh, that you want to donate. Yeah, but we're, we're looking currently for, uh, for partner investors. That's what we're looking for at, at the moment who see the potential and the value and the vision of what it is and how we're going to revolutionize the faith-based world in a lot of ways, much like Airbnb did with the hotel industry and Uber did with the taxi cab industry and so on and so forth. So we are looking for, for those partners who are committed and who want to see something like this thrive to develop even more, to have the best possible content um, within our platform and to reach as many different faith communities as possible, because we see this as something that faith communities, established ones, synagogues and churches, Hillel's and Christian organizations might really have an interest in licensing our, um, our product because they may not have the infrastructure. You know, much like companies provide added benefits to their employees, what an amazing thing for synagogues if they only have two rabbis or two pastors they, that can't, for a large synagogue that can't reach everybody, why not have the ability to have our guides be there for their congregants as well, to have that as a, uh, as a feature of being a congregational member? What an incredible supplementary thing, because as I said before, or may even not have said, the idea of branch out faith is best utilized as a primary form for the unaffiliated primary form of faith and engagement for the unaffiliated, but not to meet competition at all for synagogues and churches or houses of worship, but really supplementary because we're not offering the things that a house of worship does. We are not a house of worship. We're not going to offer prayer services. We're not going to offer anything like that. We're going to offer the ability to connect and engage on your terms, supplementary to what you're already getting within a house of worship. In fact, we want to be a bridge back to congregational life for people. So I think that's where the added value is. So reach out to me, contact me. I want to hear from you. We are offering a free trial for new subscribers, a seven-day trial subscription. You, there aren't leaves included in that, but you can check it out and see what the platform, at least initially in its infancy, is all about. Because even though it's infant, there are so many wonderful things that we can have, especially during challenging challenging moments. So that code is seven day off. And you punch that in at when you're registering and checkout, and you'll get seven days um, of free branching out, you know, so we can branch out to a better world together. Awesome. Well, thank that you cover? so much. Yeah, we'll put that. <laughs> we will put the, um, the seven day code in all of our show notes everywhere too, so that people like it's already right there, right in the show notes. We will link it, all that good stuff. And I, um, again, I just really appreciate uh, your openness and for having this conversation with me. And um, yeah, it's just a real honor and privilege. I was really looking forward to it. So thank you so very much. Me too. Oh, also, Rachel, we, you can find us on social media too, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and soon to be YouTube as well, which Alex has been convincing me to do. So uh, you can see all of yes. our content. We, we, have, we have content uh, on there for three pages, Branch Out Faith, and then which is kind of the business and overall um, idea of Branch Out. And then we also have sub 
faith-specific subpages, branch out Judaism and branch out Christianity, which features Jewish-specific and Christian-specific uh, text and messages and inspirational content and all of the above. So you can check us out on, on those platforms and um, follow us. You'll, you'll learn a lot and hopefully get a lot out of it. So thank you, Rachel, so much for this opportunity. It was a pleasure. Oh, likewise. <laughs>
and I know that sitting through the ads on things and the asks are um, annoying, but hey, if you're listening, I'm so glad you are. I appreciate your patronage uh, and for being here and your energy, um, and I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. All right. Happy Hanukkah. Love you. Mean it. Time, weather, and-